Hi, friends. Welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline, where twice a week we'll bring you conversations designed to help you make better decisions and find more joy while selling. I'm Amy Rahovchek, and I'll be your guide. Let's go. Nick McGowan, welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline, new friend. Thank you for skipping your reading and making time for us today. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there's enough meetings throughout the day. I was looking forward to this. I know we were scheduled a bit ago, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago and something happened, but I'm excited to be able to jump in. I see you post things in the Slack channel that I'm part of all the time. So I feel like I see you almost every couple. So I'm excited to hop on and kind of shoot the shit and have a good conversation. So Nick, why don't you start by sharing with our listeners a bit about who you are and what you do every day? Sure. So most days you'll find me running sales for a content company, a 3D content company. We create 3D renderings, animations, interactive pieces, all the way up through AR and VR for consumer products and home builders. And then outside of that, I run a podcast. It's the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. And I'm also a mindset and self mastery coach. So the show and the clients and all of that just go really hand in hand. Um, and it's really easy for me to get into that sort of conversation. This is about being real. Authenticity is a big thing. I'm excited to see that people are actually being more real in front of people and online these days than they had been before. I'd like to say that some of that's probably us as the millennials that are moving that through because we're like, hey, fuck this shit from before. You guys were weird and like you hid in little closets about things. Come out and let's talk about things in all of the ways. So I was looking at one of your posts. I was scrolling when I was like stalking out your page before the conversation. And I noticed you had the, it was in one of the book posts. It was the Daily Stoic and I'm a massive fan nice. and I want to start here. Okay. Because this has been a massive thing for me on my own personal journey. And I know that you have one as well. So I listened to your episode, the one that you did by yourself. And so I heard the whole thing, right. Including the musician, the school, the heroine, like the whole story. And so I'll link to that in the show notes listeners. So if anybody's interested in going deeper on Nick and it, it was an exceptional episode, but anyway, Nick, how did you get to Stoicism. I'm not exactly sure if I can point back and go, oh, it was this exact time that this thing came up. I think mm -hmm. there were different principles that I've kind of subscribed to along the way. Right, right. And then somebody was like, hey, that's kind of stoic. And I think we've also, we've probably heard every one of us like, man, he just looked really stoic. Mm -hmm. Longest time, I just thought that meant almost like statuesque. Yeah. Just like we're very still. And I was like, all right, well, that doesn't make much sense. Mm -hmm. But again, those principles that I've kind of subscribed to for years align with stoicism. I wouldn't say that I'm 100% in with stoicism. You can just 100% call me a stoic, but I don't think you can 100% call me anything. Right. I think it's a matter of the evolution and kind of figuring things out. I think what you'd seen was the daily stoic that's part of my stack of books. Yeah. Funny, growing up, I hated reading. Fucking hated reading. I didn't yeah. want to read captions on TV. I'm like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, our education system body. has a way of doing that for people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they were like, well, you're going to go home for, for summer. And while you're home, we're going to need you to read like nine books. I'm like, I don't want to fucking read any books. Yeah, yeah. Here, let alone home. So I hated reading when I was growing up. But now as I've gotten older, it's a major piece of what I do because I know it's what everything really boils down to. What we ingest is what's going to come out. So if we're just intaking all the shit from Facebook, Instagram, or wherever first thing in the morning, it's very easy for us to wake up in the morning and just go thumb and like go through. I've chosen to really kind of take some time with stoicism, with 
my faith with other things that I'm interested in, mindset, self-mastery, discipline, things of that sort. We're going to work through that in the beginning of the day and then even at the end of the day. And stoicism is a piece of that. Yeah. Okay. So how did you get into sales? I think from being a manipulator, as a <laughs> literally trying to manipulate for love. Like right. I grew up in a kind of a rich dad, poor dad scenario in certain ways. My dad and his wife made a good amount of money. My mom didn't make a ton, worked her ass off mm -hmm. as she could. But there were different mindsets in those households well, that, that I was around. There were certain times where as a little kid, and I know this going back through, childhood traumas and sitting down with little Nick and be like, what the fuck was your problem? Yeah. Well, this happened. Thinking back through, I really craved that attention and mm -hmm. craved that love and then learned that I could do different things or say different things that would get people to do what I wanted. So that was my first step in sales. I remember my mom telling me, even when I was a little kid, you could sell ice to an Eskimo, catch a popsicle lady in a white dress. It was like weird. <laughs> yeah. Why, who wants to do that? Why, why do you have ketchup popsicles? Yeah. Who made these? That's yeah. wrong. So being able to kind of sell that stuff as I was a little kid, honestly, I figured out kind of the tough way of how to be authentic in sales. I remember at one point, Literally in high school, like I would pray at night and be like, just help me to stop being an asshole. Why am I an asshole? That's right. Fucking deal. Yeah. And I was manipulative with some of that stuff. And that easily kind of transferred over into any sort of job that I had. Remember your first job is probably something stupid besides like a paper route or something dumb and local, but maybe like a burger joint or dishwashing or being a host somewhere. Yeah, I was a server. So I feel all that. Yeah. You get that. My very first job was dishwashing where my mom worked. And I remember being like, this sucks. Mm -hmm. I actually enjoy washing dishes as a 37 year old man. It's like therapeutic at this mm -hmm. point of the day or whatever. But at that point I was like, I don't want to do any of that. I mm -hmm. ended up getting into uh, like phone sales and survey calls and stuff like that. Marketing research calls when I was in high school. And it was just, it was easy to talk and it was a game. But I think at that point I got into, you know, playing that game and being manipulative and then starting to understand like maybe that's not how things need to work. Now, fast forward all the way to now where I'm selling five, six figure deals that are, mm -hmm. some people are saying it's tough out there right now. I'm sitting at about 90% of my goal for the year. We're almost at the end of Q1. And I think a lot of that has to do with honestly being real and being raw with people and going, look, if I can help you, great. If I can't, then fucking great. Okay, we had a fun conversation and we yeah. part as friends. Like what it's is the, real. yeah. I literally had a conversation with a guy that we're partnered with in a different company. He's also in sales and we'll talk about stuff every once in a while. I've even said to the guy like, hey, if you have any questions or just in a weird spot and you can't go to somebody in your company, come talk to me. So mm -hmm. I understand there's like politics in certain ways. People are people. So mm -hmm. if you talk to some prospect and you turn on some weird face, like no, when people answer the phone and they're like, oh, hello. Like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, That's yeah. not even real. Yeah. You're automatically being fake. Some people will do that internally or people will just be a bull and they're like, I'm sales. This is what we need to do. You need these things. And they're like, whip, whip. Yeah, with a sense of entitlement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And think about it. When you're in sales and you can have somebody get to a point where they go, you know, this is an idea that I had and it's not. <laughs> you led them there. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's a great thought. What about this thing that I also basically know the answer to? If you can do the same thing internally, you can move stuff along. So the conversation I had yesterday, I was like, look, it's a long-term game. If you want to do this, you can fucking break through it. It'll take you a month, maybe. Or if you want to do it the right way, you got to be there for another three to five years. Do you win? And he was like, shit, I hadn't really thought about that because mm -hmm. it takes time. That is relationship-wise and kind of working through some of it's just your own mindset. Because think about it, if you talk to somebody on your own team, 
and you're a little bit of an ass to them or you like push them the wrong way, that could push them you know, a week behind on something else. Mm -hmm. And you have to have another conversation the next week and just move that stuff along. When you think back to like the golden rule of treat people the way you'd like to be treated, I think sometimes people forget that, especially in sales. If you come off a solid win, you think your head's so huge and you're like, well, we need this shit, we need that, I need all, I have to do all this stuff and really, you're, we're not as important. If we sell something and we don't have production to actually do the damn thing, not worth. you're not going to get anything out of it. There's no point to it. Okay, so tell me about Media Lab. Please tell me how we're innovating on images for, you know, content purposes, because that one seems pretty cut and dry. But I mean, I believe you, obviously. And now to even to hear that you're about to hit your annual number, which is incredible. But like, what's the story over there? How did you find them? What made you move in that direction and decide to start the podcast on top of it? Man, solid questions. And there's so much to it. So I owned a small business six years ago or so is about when I left. We had the company for about five years. I believe it may still be going. I basically dissolved my partnership piece of it and stepped back. It was a company that was social media and digital marketing, websites, PPC, and some social posts, et cetera, for small businesses. And it was actually with my ex-in-laws. Those were my partners. So there was some craziness that was involved there. It was also family ties, all that. We learned a ton through that. So I'd first gotten married to my wife about maybe a year after after I jumped into this company with her parents. So her parents lived in Florida, I was in Philadelphia. They were like, hey, we're thinking about starting this company. I was actually one of my consultants in a previous company that I had. So like we're taking steps back. Okay. I was like, yeah, this would be cool. I actually came down to Florida to visit some family, invited him and his wife over to have dinner. I was like, okay. let's see if this thing makes sense to have any sort of conversation about a business. They came over, they brought their daughter. We all figured out we'd start the company. I hit it off with the daughter. We ended up getting married. We started this company. She and I got not only married, but moved her from Florida to Philly. And within a couple of months of being married, I was let go from my corporate job. The next couple of weeks, trying to figure out what I want to do next. Do I jump into a new job? Do I just start this company thing? And I felt deep in my soul, I just need to run with this company. So I told her at one point, I'm going to rock and roll with this company, your parents. And she looks at me dead in the eye and goes, well, you haven't fucking made a sale in a year. So what makes this any different? I was like, touche. So at that point, I had a massive fire under my ass because I had no idea how to be a husband. Right. Or how to really run a business. I'd run business before, but it bombed. It's very, yeah, it's, yeah, okay. I was on my mom's couch and I'm like, well, because that didn't work. So what's next? Yeah. So at that point, I'm going to fast forward a bit. I kind of went crazy, had to fire under my ass and I'm very resourceful and tenacious. So I was like, what the fuck do I need to do? How do I get these people? What are we selling? What's the deal? Trying to figure all that stuff out. Fast forward to a couple of years later, we're living in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Downtown, nine stories up overlooking downtown, looking at a park. And from the outset, everything was absolutely awesome. Internally, I was fucked up. I was just in a spot. Now you'd mentioned heroin to jump way back. I overdosed on heroin when I was 19 and I was in a deep depression, had no idea what the fuck I wanted to do with my life, mm -hmm. was, where I was going, none of that. Now here I am in my early 30s overlooking a beautiful park in Portland and going, I should be happy. But fucking, fucking miserable, yeah, miserable, yep. Yeah. 
And I was doing things within the business that I didn't want to be doing. I was bringing in new accounts, managing the accounts, running ops on some of them because our ops manager was slammed because of the accounts that we brought in. And then we were building out the team, bringing in other services, trying to be a husband, trying to do all this stuff. And it just got crazy. And I got to a point where I remember calling one of my friends. I was like, I feel like I'm on a fucking island and I'm going to stand at the top of the island and just jump. And he was like, now, dude, you know, calm down. And he's one of my close friends. But I don't even think he knew exactly how honest. How real. Yeah. Yeah. Because there were moments where I would think I'm on the ninth floor. There's 16 of these. I could easily get up there, pop off. I've already seen where I can do it. And I start to walk through that, like that excitement about it. I was like, I could just easily get the fuck out of here. This will solve everybody's problems. And then at one point I'm thinking, well, I'm either going to jump or I'm not. And something actually hit me and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're going to jump or you're not? No, something needs to change. And I started to actually take a step back and think, what am I doing? What do I want? What am I doing here? How did I get here? And I wasn't happy on so many different levels. And then we actually moved from Oregon to Florida. My wife at the time wanted to jump into a new career and it made sense to move to Florida. She had family there. and it, I A little sunnier. Yeah, that too. But it was also like something to do, right. something to get my brain out of this thing. We literally drove cross country. It took okay. us a week and a half. Okay. We took our time and there were times where I was just driving for hours and just thinking, what the fuck do I want? All of that and processing through and allowing myself to be. And it was very ther- therapeutic, but I realized that I have a process that I've been working through for years and years and didn't actually put that together until after I got to Florida. So when I was in Florida, I was there for a couple of months and we ended up, um, I basically started to break down and I was like, I need to get out of this. When you say this in this context, would you elaborate? This company. Yeah. Gotcha. I need to get out of this company. I need to get out of this headspace. I need to get out of everything that's happening right now. Cause I was like, I'm either going to commit suicide. I'm not. And whatever happens from there mm-hmm. is better than jumping off whatever. And at that point I started to step into, okay. I need to get out of this thing, but I have no idea what I'm going to do. So I actually cut ties. It was tough. I mean, imagine telling your in-laws, hey, your daughter and I are going to continue onward and I'm not going to be with this company anymore and I'm leaving and dissolving my partnership and good luck. But I took a little bit of a sabbatical, a couple months. Honestly, the first two weeks, I just kind of did whatever, like woke up whenever I wanted to, walked outside and just didn't really look at my phone or played some guitar for a little bit, just get my head away from stuff. And then I started to actually go through my process of like, what the fuck is wrong with me? What's happening? What am I aware of? What do I need to be aware of? And started taking inventory and working through all of that. So over the course of the next two months, I spent time really focusing on what it is that had happened, what I want to do and reverse engineering my future thoughts of where I want to go. And I knew I still wanted to be in tech, but I wanted to get into larger sales. So I started reaching out to different companies. All right. I'm going to pause you there for a second. Okay. We, my birthday is in June too, by the way, and I'm 83, but I'm curious, like, where are you from? Philly. Philly. I was going to say, you drop the F on way too much to not be from the Northeast. Like I, (laughs) (laughs) you said Portland too. I was like, I don't know any Portland people, but anyway. Okay. So that makes perfect sense. All right. Many things, Nick. I can't believe I'm about to admit this. So I was in San Francisco when this was happening for me, like when it was crashing and it was right. Like with me too. Right. So I sold for a decade and I misinterpreted something that I read early on about like mindset. I was going to double, triple, quadruple down in sales, right? My way of handling the hard was to just aspire to not feel anything bad, 
negative. Okay. And that, and I got like, you hear you're reading about behavior change and psychology, at least I was. But anyway, I, I aspired to not feel anything bad and I got really fucking good at it for many years. But where I was off in my logic was that there's no such thing as only icing out the negative, right? If you aspire to ice out some of them, you're going to ice them all away. But anyway, the, the bridge the bridge. That was my thing. Listeners in mental health circles, when you are getting to like one of the things that a professional will ask you around like the suicidal ideations is if you've come up with a plan yet, right? That's supposed to be, that's a trigger question right there. And so what Nick is sharing is like, that's fucking real. Okay. So anyway, I can like relate to that on so many levels. Were you working with a coach at this point or were you trying to like navigate all your feels by yourself? And by coach, that's a euphemism for therapist. Sure. Yeah. Anything of the sort would have been helpful. There were moments like when we took the trip from Oregon to Florida, Mm -hmm. got here and I got out and spent some time. I just honestly appreciated being by myself. My wife would go to work. I wasn't sitting in an office with my in-laws at the time or anybody mm-hmm. else in the office. I was just home mm-hmm. and I was able to just be. And that was good enough because that's where I needed to be at that point. Mm, stillness. I needed to think through that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just get back to meditation. That was even one of those things where I was like, man, I remember feeling all this energy all around me and just pulling it back. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Well, right here. Well, what's the next thing I need to do? You need to go to the bathroom or go, go take a piss and whatever and move along through life and like kind of do some of that where I'm like, well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? But allow to be in the moment and allowing myself to be in the moment allowed me to actually figure out now that I'm sitting in the moment, what's the inventory? What's the shit that's around me? And start kind of grabbing that stuff, almost like, you know, the crazy closet that everybody has, or at least had growing up where you just like stuff shit in it and you're like, Fuck, well, that would be a drawer. drawer. That was, actually, no, you know what, if I'm being, I'm sorry to interrupt, if I'm being fucking honest right now, there's an entire room in my house with for, for the crash <laughs> so cap room. right now. <laughs> yeah. So that room. Okay, continue. To change all of that, to do yeah. anything about it, you can't go in and take piece by piece because you're just picking up some shit, moving it somewhere else, and then it's like a hoarder issue almost. But you got to get everything out. So looking at that with all this bullshit in your head, it's mm-hmm. like having a closet in the back of your head that's stuffed full of shit, and then this thing that's in front of you. So I spent some time actually going, I just need to sit here for a minute <laughs> and just be mm-hmm. quiet. And then with me sitting here and looking around through my mind's eye, like, well, what's around? What are the things? And those started to open up different doors for me to get into the different traumas. Ultimately, a lot of that ties back to childhood. Well, so you didn't, you still didn't answer my question. Were you doing this by yourself or were you working with a therapist at any uh, point? All me going through that first handful of months. I had later gotten into therapy. So I'll fast forward a little bit here. So at that point, I had I figured I want to do something different. Ended up finding the company I'm with now, Media Lab. So I'm running sales for them. And over the first two years, I thought I was kind of all right. I thought I was good. And it felt like everything was all right with my wife and you know, like things were moving along. And then I could feel things start to creep back up again. I've already started working through my own processes. But at that point, I, I stepped out and started talking to a therapist. I had some issues with some coaches from years ago. So I was mm-hmm. like, I want to go to the medical route almost and see if I can go that route. I tried to find a therapist for about a year. There were different places that were like, yeah, we can help you, but it'll be six months. I was like, if I wanted to kill myself now, fuck your six months. Look how angry I am. Clearly, I need to speak with someone 
I'm like, what is your problem? That's hysterical. Okay, so I'm going to pause you there. All right, so not all therapy is created equally, listeners. I'm a big fan of cognitive behavioral therapy, proven to be the most effective form. It's very different than like, uh, like not all therapists are trying to convince you that you are in fact trying to sleep with your father or your mother, depending on your gender, right? That's not how it goes. And so with CBT, it is designed to help you to suss out your own stuff and then to create the tools and techniques to essentially manage yourself. And so I'm all for doing this with professionals because it's faster and easier than trying to do it by yourself. But I respect it tremendously. But again, not all practices are the same. And so that's something that that I want you to be cognizant of listeners. And then also, in case there's any ambiguity on this one, my definition of a masculine man is someone that knows how to talk about their feelings and use the T word without breaking into a sweat. And the T word is therapist. And so as we're looking at this like shifting definition of what does masculinity mean? That's what it means to me. And that's what it means on the show, Nick. So just so you know, that's where it's at. All right, all. That wraps another installment of Revenue Real Hotline. Today's episode was produced by the fabulous Nian Fiedler. Naturally, I'd like to thank my guests for sharing their brilliance and stories with us. And thank you too, listener. I know you've got a ton of options and I appreciate you choosing us. For anyone who wants to support the show, do follow us wherever you listen and be sure to join us next time for more conversations designed to help you make better decisions and find more joy while selling. I'm Amy Rahovchik and that's a wrap. <laughs>